Van Life. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news or interviews with people from the nomadic community. And this week in particular is our monthly news episode. Ooh, I love this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes. I really love talking to other people, but this is fun because it's other people writing articles about van life and other people's perspective about it. And we're going to give you our perspective on their perspective. <laughs> perspectives on perspectives. It sounds very interesting. So before we dive into our first article here, let's give a little update from the road. Oh man, where are we? What are we doing? We are currently in Guatemala. We crossed the border a couple, maybe like a week ago now. We have been absolutely loving it. The YouTube channel is a little bit behind us. At this point, we are leaving Guanajuato and heading for some more adventures in Dolores Hidalgo and uh, San Miguel de Allende. And pretty soon we come up with COVID on the YouTube channel. So yeah. stay tuned, see how we deal with it in Mexico. It was quite a quite a ride yeah it was not fun being super sick with covid um living in a van and you know the heat and all that kind of stuff so i, we... w- I will say my experience was quite different from your experience but i don't know if we even captured that i don't think we did i think by the time so i got sick first and then frankie got it after me and so i was sick in the van maybe for like a day and then we got a hotel room and then By the time we were leaving the hotel room, Frankie was still testing negative and was feeling pretty okay, like a little on and off. I was definitely off, off, like feeling sick, but I wasn't sick to a point where I was like, oh, I definitely have COVID. But then like a day later, I I woke up and I felt pretty bad and I took a test and I came up positive. So my experience with COVID was truly in the van the whole time. Yeah. And I think by that point, like I was just like beat up and tired from being sick and then you were actually sick. So I don't think we really captured all of that, but we'll show you the first half of our illness. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you were like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, Frankie, a couple of times. And I was like, I feel not great. It was just like a really bad flu or like a, like a flu. I didn't throw up though, or have any of that type of stuff. So, but one thing that I absolutely love to do when I'm sick is be able to like lay inside like a running shower and just run hot water on myself until like I almost fall asleep laying on the ground in the shower. But I didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, you can't do that in a van. Um, but anyways, you guys can see there was a couple of perks and benefits to actually getting COVID down here in Mexico. I know that probably doesn't seem like it, but if you watch the video, you'll see what I mean. Um, but yeah, so we're absolutely loving our road trip. We're still on a mission to do nine countries in nine months, which means that we're going all the way to Panama and then coming back to the United States um, before spring. And believe me, you guys are going to want to see the photos and the videos from the place that we're at right now. It is one of the most magical places on planet Earth in Guatemala. It's called Lake Atatlan. But, you know, wait for the photos that we're going to show you because you're going to get like a, a real good perspective on what we see every single day when we wake up. Yeah, it's really beautiful. We're feeling really lucky to be here. And the campsite's only $10 a day. So can't beat that. No, you can't. Water, electric hookup, everything, and the most beautiful view out the back door. All right. Now let's talk about our first article, which is about a couple of people, van lifers in New York, 
Oh, actually, shit, New York, baby. Yeah, Frankie's home state. Yeah. These guys are in Williamsburg. We actually have visited the spot, not in the van, but to go look at a rig like before van life really became very popular. Yeah, so um, back in early 2019 when we were... Or 2018. 2018, When yeah. we were first looking for our vehicle... We ended up finding one that was for sale that was in this exact neighborhood where they're all parked. And we drove over there and we checked it out. And it was a Dolphin RV. Yeah, Toyota Dolphin. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. But it was also, it felt kind of like small and a little cramped and a little bit like, I don't know, it just didn't, it, it didn't give the vibes. It also seemed very expensive for how like out of shape it was, I guess you could say. Yeah, it certainly needed some TLC, and I think it didn't help that we went to see it, like, after work, and it was completely dark out, and so it probably wasn't, like, shining in the beautiful light of the glorious sun, but... And realistically, we probably would have, like, ripped out the carpet and put our own in and, you know, did a bunch of different things to make it feel more presentable and more homey for ourselves. Yeah, do you remember, we went to see one, um, was it, like, a road trek or something like that? Yeah. And it was... Kind of gross. The and the guy smoked like crazy in it. Yeah. And like while we were like looking at it, he was standing like at the side door smoking a cigarette. The whole place smelled like a cigarette. It was like run down. There was things that were broken. There were things that was ripped. There was some rust on like the windshield and stuff that I remember seeing. And yeah. And like, uh, how much you want for this? And he's like 25. And I was like 25, like 2,500. Like, cause that, that's a deal, you know? And we're like 2,500. And even at 2,500 in my mind, I was like, I don't know, 2,500 for this. And he goes, no, 25,000. And I literally laughed out loud in his face. Yeah. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You want $25,000 for this piece of shit? And he was like, you know, it's a classic. And I was like, As no. he's like chimney smoking his cigarettes. <laughs> absolutely not i'm getting out of here and then i and then as we're about to leave he's like actually can you guys jump me his battery's dead on the thing oh my god so ridiculous. <laughs> he was definitely a swindler like he probably bought that thing for like i don't know five grand yeah and was trying to turn around and flip it for 25 i mean good on you for the hustle but i'm glad that we didn't get hustled before we jump into these articles we have to give a huge shout out to the o team they left us an amazing five-star review where they listen to podcasts so be sure to go ahead and do the same thing the o team has also been somebody who's been on the podcast before and they just had a baby and they're about to get back on the road part-time with their new baby so they said, thanks for the mention in the recent podcast. As far as we know, the law about seizing your vehicle in the UK hasn't passed through. Keep up the good work on your podcast. We enjoyed listening to it on our way home from the Peak District as we are now doing van life part-time since we had a baby. Woo! I love it, guys. Congratulations on getting back on the road. Congratulations on the new baby. And we hope that she has a beautiful life. This article is in Curb.com, and it's about Van Alley in New York. It's we actually we actually met one of the guys who lives in Van Alley when we went to VanFest USA yeah. uh, almost two years ago now in Olive. It was Olive's debut weekend, and we met one of the guys who lives in Van Alley, and he was telling us all about it, and we were like, oh, that's so cool, because that did not exist when we were living in New York. Yeah, a lot of these guys have been living down this area, you know, on and off, for about since about 2019, I think there's about like nine vehicles that are always pretty much there, and it's kind of cool because I have a cool look, cool 
view of the city. Um, one of them owns a van build company. So I'm, I'm guessing that he's probably, he's, they're busy and, and booked out till 2023. Wow. So he's doing pretty well, I'm guessing. Yeah. And also probably saving quite a bit of money just by staying parked up on the street there in Brooklyn. Yeah. And he's probably got a workshop or like something like that nearby. So I'm sure he could like either walk or just like drive the van over to the office. So they are talking a little bit about like their experience in the summer and the winter. The summer is very hot and none of them have AC except for one person has like a window unit. Um, and so they, it's definitely muggy in New York. I remember living there and working there and being like, holy crap, this city's so hot because it's just like the buildings kind of just suck the heat into one spot and like there's no airflow or air movement mm-hmm. to allow it to like get out of there and like all the buildings are like reflectic and in the city there's at so least. so much concrete. Not as much in the in Williamsburg, but yeah, so much concrete and anytime like a rig is on or something's on, it creates more heat. So I could definitely see it being sweltering hot. One guy was talking about how his eyelids froze shut in the winter. But it's like, I mean, realistically, most of us have heaters in our van. Or at least we built our van to have a heater in it, knowing that we were going to spend quite a bit of time in the mountains trying to snowboard in the winter. And, you know, you could buy a heater, a Chinese diesel heater, and you could use gasoline in it or you could use diesel in it. And you they're like 120 bucks. They might be 200 now. But like that's not terrible compared to probably what they spent on the rig altogether. I think I'd rather spend a hundred or two hundred bucks than have frozen eyelids. Yeah, yeah. Because New York is one of those places where it is very almost like extreme. Yeah. Because in the summers it is super hot, and then in the winters it can get very cold. They say that they have a very unique sense of community, though. Every you could see people down there like with their doors open, chatting with one another. They actually have like movie night. And like they all like get together and and just kind of throw the chairs on the lawn and they'll have a movie on the side of one of the vans. Um, yeah, so so it's kind of it seems like a cool little community that they found mm-hmm. within each other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will come by and like check out the rigs and stuff. But like in this area, it's very acceptable, um, especially. Well, in there's Brooklyn. tons of cars parked there all the time, anyways. So yeah. it's not like you're parking in front of somebody's million dollar home. Yeah, and they say that like one of the biggest issues that they have is that they have they have to move back and forth across the street quite often because they have alternate side in New York which allows a street cleaner to come through and clean up the area and if you don't move your vehicle you'll get a ticket. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to avoid the ticket so they keep moving back and forth. Yeah, but it's, I mean it's just proof in the pudding like you can live van life in big cities, have regular jobs, you know, work in a big city kind of atmosphere, well, shower at the gym. And they also, in Williamsburg, they have a really big bar scene. So, like, if you're a bartender, you're probably making dough out there. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a very expensive to have drinks in Williamsburg. It's probably, like, $13 for a mixed drink, if not more now. Mm-hmm. And that was back when I was living there. And it's, like, the hipster area where everybody's going and everybody wants to hang out in this area. Also, there's some gyms there that don't require a membership to go have a shower. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're able to get showers for free at particular gyms and uh yeah it just makes their experience a little bit easier um but yeah i mean overall it kind of sounds like a pretty cool little community spot if we are back in brooklyn and we're back in you know in the van then we might go to the spot and go hang out and see we what it's like we definitely gotta go check them out i think the really cool thing about it is that they have this sense of community with each other it's not just random people parking on the street kind of near each other they've gotten to know each other 
that's the guy that we yeah, met. Yeah, that's our buddy sure. right there. And his yeah. dog. That's it's just a photo of them in the article. So it's really cool that they've kind of banded together and created this community. I wonder if with the article coming out, there's going to be a lot more people coming to join them. It actually got me thinking about, I wonder if you could like buy an empty lot somewhere in Brooklyn and then make like a van lifers RV park or something like that. Yeah, that would be know? a really interesting thing uh, to try to do. It, 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 I wonder if there's like laws or regulations against having a plot of land and doing that. But I mean, I mean, also, if you could have it as a parking lot, yeah. you just make it a parking lot for van lifers and have a bathroom. That's and, it. Van lifers only. Yeah. They might be like, hey, you're um, discriminating, you're discriminating against, against cars. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, there's opportunity everywhere. And if you want to live, you know, or work a more traditional job and really save some money, you know, because rent in New York City is very expensive. So if you can live in your vehicle in New York City and not all of these guys have very big, expensive rigs. Yeah. And I do want to say that when you said uh, rent in Brooklyn is expensive, rent in Williamsburg is like $4,000 a month, if not more. Yeah. For like a one bedroom studio. Yeah. And not even, I'm sorry, not a one bedroom for a studio. Yeah. Like no, your, you. your bed and your living room is all the same area. It's just like a van in a sense, it's yeah. just stationary. Okay. Let's move on to our next article. This is from buzzfeed.com. Everybody knows buzzfeed. This is called people are sharing the worst parts of living in a van, revealing the reality behind the trend. Well, I got to say that we've always been sharing the night, like the reality of van life. It's just what is being pushed on Instagram and on other platforms is the positive stuff or the more glamorous stuff because that's what people tend to enjoy more. Well, you're going to like more. Yeah. Which automatically sets the algorithm to feel like it has to share with you the sunset or the, you know, the one wheel ride, you know, on the beach. Or the beautifully curated van that looks absolutely perfect and there's nothing out of place with the gorgeous view because that's what, you know, gets the likes and gets shared. So we were thinking there's like a bunch of different pros and cons. They interviewed a number of people on this. So Frankie and I are going to play devil's advocate. I think that, you know, often on the show, we tend to err on positivity because that's just how our glasses. Um, but so we're going to each take a side and one of us is going to be, you know, the champion of, you know, make it all happen. And the other one is going to maybe be more about the reality side of things. All right. So let's get going. Public perspective on Instagram van lifers are called adventurous and free-spirited. In the parking lot, they're called bums. I can see how you might feel ostracized or looked at differently, or if you get asked to leave an area, we've definitely got notes on our windshield or, you know, told that we weren't allowed to park in certain areas. 90% of the time, it's totally fine, but there is that 10% of the time where you do get those looks and you do get, you know, the feeling that you're not welcome somewhere. I personally don't call anybody a bum. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that the idea of calling somebody that is your perspective on a person. And I think that we have to realize that they're just people and that some people are in tougher situations than others. Um, They're probably free spirited. And you want to know what? They're trying to figure it out by actually living in a rig in, you know, a parking lot rather than, you know, tenting it in, in, uh, you know, in LA, in that spot where, you know, you have a lot of homeless that are, you know, possibly drug addicted or have other issues. These people are trying to at least have some type of privacy, you know, for the most part. 
there are situations where you'll have people just kind of throwing their garbage everywhere and like making a mess. Um, a lot of that is based on not making the right mental decisions, I feel like, and understand like what's good and bad. And you're going to have that in all different types of communities, whether or not you're living in a rig or not. Are you on the pro side of this? It didn't really sound like it. I mean, I don't know where you were either, so. <laughs> okay, I, we'll try better for like number two. I you were on the pro side, so I was all trying to look at the other side. Okay, all right. Okay. Number two. For me, the hardest part has always been food. If you want to hear all about the news, you can finish up the podcast by joining the Patreon. Over on the Patreon, you will get a completely ad-free version of this podcast so that you can get all the scoop on what's happening in the van life news. And you're going to get so much more in that Patreon community as well as helping support us. We'll have the link in the show notes down below, and we can't wait to see you over there. article is from Money Scoop, and it's called Home is Where the RV Park Is, peeking behind the curtains at hashtag van life. So this article is definitely written by a person who doesn't live in a van and it's also written from the perspective of money because the article is from money scoop also the photo that they show is like a campsite and it's definitely a trailer and not a van <laughs> it's something that you would pull with like a big truck like a tow behind yeah and it's probably about 25 feet long that's a big old fifth wheel yeah yeah we'll sum it up we'll get it right into it and so here's the deal is this person in New York City is living in a small apartment. It's crammed already. This person is writing this article with the perspective of living in a New York City apartment. Alex and I have both been there. Yeah. We, we left that lifestyle because we didn't want to be stuck in one place and we wanted to be able to travel and explore new places. And we were fortunate enough to figure out how to make a living on the road while traveling and be travelers, like legit travelers, not have to stay in one spot for too long I mean, sometimes we do just because we love it. And also, funds get a little tight, so we have to stay in certain areas for a little bit longer than maybe we want to. Right, but so this person is saying that they're lamenting about how small their apartment is and how they're, like, afraid to open a cupboard because stuff is just going to, like, explode at them. But then they see the van lifers on Instagram, and it makes them envious of people who are literally living out of their trunks. Well, for for this person, it feels like it's messing with their head, like, you know, the videos of the sunsets and the video of all the different things that make them envious is like, oh, well, why aren't I doing this? And there's probably a reason why they're not doing it. Well, so basically they're saying that van life is basic hypocrisy. Once van life erupted on social media, some roadies gained a following um, by breaking the influencer mold, showing us how little they spent on a daily basis and traveled for the lifestyle. She's also assuming that let's not forget that these young and rich influencers made the nomad life popular. A lot of them actually became rich because of what they were doing by making these videos of traveling because they, they do talk about Eamon and Beck in this. And Eamon and Beck now have over a million followers on YouTube. And they've made a fortune off of YouTube, but not because they were like, oh, this van life thing is going to make us a million dollars. Or because they literally, their like parents gave them a million dollars to go live in a van. Correct. They decided that they wanted to travel. They saved their money and they figured out ways on the road. Like they started a tea company. They started all these different things to try to make money so they could afford their travels. Yeah. So I think most of the van lifers that we know 
are very frugal because they started their van life adventure by saving up a ton of money, selling everything that they owned and learning how to like live on a budget and getting rid of all of their debt before they moved into their van. And yes, some of them have been very fortunate to become influencers and make a lot of money, but they were also extremely smart in the sense of creating a business around something that they loved. And that way it didn't feel like they were working every single day. And when you edit videos like that from experience, we could tell you that it takes a hell of a lot of time. And we probably work more than what we worked when we had corporate jobs. Yeah, so it's not just like you move into a van and then the next day you're making $5,000 brand deals for, you know, showing off your kitchen setup. You know, it (laughs) It doesn't doesn't work work like like that. There's a huge amount of work and effort that goes on behind the scenes. And often, you know... The world is Instagrammed or TikTok, so you get these tiny little snippets of things and you don't get the whole picture. And also to try to keep that energy, to keep the momentum going is very difficult, especially when you're moving on a week-to-week basis and or traveling to new places every single week or every single day or every month. Okay, so the Money Scoop is going to do a little budget breakdown for you guys to prove that it is not cost-effective to live in a van. Their first thing that they have decided that setting up your van life is going to cost you they're just saying oh you know you can have it built you could build yourself they're saying all these different like ways that you could do it you could diy you could bell and whistle you know there's lots of different price ranges but for the sake of this article let's assume that you're paying a professional van builder at 125 dollars an hour to build your van for $125,000. To $175,000. Yes. So if we use that ready-to-go van as an example, then in three years, we're spending the equivalent of $2,500 a month. So let me do the math. First and foremost, let's say this much. A lot of van lifers that we know have built their vans themselves. The cost was way less than $125,000 to $175,000 because they bought the van themselves They built it out themselves. They used the materials that they found around them or people, you know, might have had some stuff laying around that they're like, hey, I'm not using this. You could take it. You know, this is the way to cut your cost and get your cost lower to have a, a van that you very much love and enjoy. And it feels like a home and spend at least less than half of that. Right. Okay. so. On the math, she's assuming for this article that you're spending $90,000 on your initial van purchase. Our first van cost us less than $15,000. And our second van, I think, you know, the, it was a brand, almost a brand new van. So I think we're into our second van at about 65. How much? 55. 55? Yep. All right. So we've been living in a van for three years now. According to her, we're golden. But anyway, so she's assuming that we're spending $90,000 just to walk into the door of our brand new van. Then she goes down to break down our monthly costs. We're going to have insurance RV between $72 and $375 a month. But you would have with a car anyway. Yeah, so you would ha- if you lived in a house, you would probably not only have homeowner's insurance, but you would also have... Car insurance. Yes. And a car payment. Yes. And a gym membership. Well, and all the things that you would have... In a van. Yeah, so in this article, she says your fuel cost can be between $200 and $600 a month. Often you'll have that when you live in a house if you're commuting to and from work. And if you don't have the cost of fuel, then you're paying for the cost of maybe a Metro card or something like that. Maybe you're lucky enough to walk to work, which I think is great. But my monthly Metro card was like $130. $150 a month. Yeah, and it's probably gone up since I left New Mm -hmm. York City. Um, So then you're going to want a gym membership for around $10 a month. You're going to need a P.O. box because you need an address for $5 a month. I also do want to say that 
when you buy in the metro card to get to and from work, you don't have the comfort of a home in the back of your. <laughs> no. You, know? you have like strangers who smell bad, and you get on ang- top of you. You get anxiety from being like underground and feeling like the the thing's gonna collapse. Right. So then they say tolls and parking can also put a dent in your wallet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's but, if you have a car, too. Yeah, many roadsters choose to stay at free parking and campsites. The upside to this is that you can take the scenic route. Um, yeah, so anyways, so they're assuming that your monthly expenses, were just for the van, although a lot of these expenses you would also have in a house, because in a house you would also have a gym membership, you would also have car payments, you would also have fuel payments, you would also have insurance payments. So let's oh. not pretend that all of these expenses are exclusive to living in a van. And I do want to say that we don't have a gym membership. No, we did for a little while. We did, but we We'll probably we got get rid of one it. when we go back. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, she's saying that if you add everything up, your monthly expenses would be between $537 a month, which is very low, to $1,240 a month, which is, like, not that bad. And that brings the three-year van life scenario to 3000 a month, how is that possible? She if said your with the upgrade cost, and that brings the three years. So she's saying with all these oh, upgrades. I get it. So your monthly cost of like parking and stuff like that is between 500 and 1200 uh-huh. And then your monthly rent for your van that you bought for $90,000 is between 3000 and $4,000 a month. Oh, with everything. She's just basically saying that a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn is less, including utilities, just for food of thought. But she's not including food. She's not including the expense that it is to even go out in Brooklyn. She's not including having a vehicle in Brooklyn, which most people have. She's not including having insurance for that vehicle, plus homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance for your house. She's not including all the things that she included in van life. She was just saying the monthly rent. The average rent in New York. Would be about the same as all these things that would, you're doing. Or would be less than paying for everything that you've had to pay for to live in a van. For but I could tell you from experience, even having with a lower cost of uh, monthly expense to be able to do the things I want to do and live life the way I want to live it in Brooklyn and having a good job, I was spending more than $5,000 a month. On all the different things, gym memberships, car, uh, insurance, going snowboarding whenever I wanted, stuff like that. Because of the particular job I had at the time, I was able to afford that. And everybody lives up or down to their means. So the more money you make, the more money you spend. It's just a natural thing that we do as humans. If you're very good at budgeting and cutting out those things, you could save a lot of money in both scenarios. Right, if you have the job that allows you to save that money. Absolutely. I will still say, van life is much cheaper than having an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, and trying to keep up with the hustle of everything that happens in Brooklyn. I was just talking to someone the other day. I feel like living in New York, you have to make at least $100,000 a year just to get by. Just to get by. Yeah. And, and like be comfortable getting by. And actually, the way that you would be a little bit above just getting by would be if you had two people in one apartment or and you're house, both making and you're both making a hundred thousand, and then you're doing a little bit more than just getting by. Yeah, for sure. But it's definitely not an inexpensive city to live in. But I also think you know we see people break down their budgets on TikTok and stuff all the time. We really, I mean, we're so bad at tracking our budget. We're trying to get better. We're starting to write everything down. But anyways. For us, it's not that much of an expensive lifestyle. And we also have a number of additional expenses 
If you want to hear the rest of this story, you're going to have to come on over to the Patreon to get the... If you want to hear the rest of the story, you're going to have to come over to the Patreon to get the exclusive ad-free version of this show. And not only are you going to get that, but you're going to get so much more by becoming a Patreon. We share up-to-date information on where we are, what's going on, and tons of photos, more Paco stuff, because you know that you can't get enough of Paco. We can't wait to see you guys over there. Be sure to show... We can't wait to see you guys over there. Check the show notes on how to join today. Everybody's situation is different, I guess is what I'm getting at. Whether you live in a house, whether you are renting a house, whether you own a house, whether you have your own business or you don't and you're just working part-time, everybody's situation is different. So the best thing you could do for yourself is figure out how you make your situation work for you. And then she suggests that instead of moving into a van, you should just move to one of these 25 cheapest cities in the United States. You could just move in your van to one of those cheapest cities because you could probably like get your groceries for cheaper. You could still enjoy being in the outdoors and doing all this fun stuff. Like I think that it's really kind of ridiculous that people who are trying to live a frugal van life go to California. Yeah. Or even, like, the whole West Coast is quite expensive. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's, like, the ideal place that you, like, want to be. But you also have to, like, factor in that everything's going to be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. And I I do also want to say that, like, at the end of your van life, whether it's six months or a year or if it's less time, more time, if it's 10 years, whatever it is, you could always sell your van to somebody else. And the way that you have to look at that is... What did you spend? How much did you sell it for? You put that cost together and you minus it from one another and you've either gained money or you've lost a little bit, but that was your rent for that time. Yeah, so I think for us, we'll hopefully be able to sell our rig for a little bit more than what we have in it. So, you know, for living in it for two years, it will have cost us plus $10,000 or something. Like our first van, we were at plus 10K when we sold it. Yeah. Plus 10K when we for sold it. For living in it for a year. And that was selling it on a very cheap end. That way we could make sure that those people that bought it could do the things they need to do to fix it. We had it all in its description of what it needed. And if you read, you know, what it was, you could read it and say, okay, I know what I need to do with this van. Is it worth its value? And if you look back from what the cost of a van is today to what that one sold for, it's very much worth it. Oh, yeah. You know? And this van, we're not going to go you know, ham and try to sell it for a ridiculous amount of money. We want to make our money back plus a little bit of money so that way we could add it into something new. And the time that we spent on building it and taking care of it and fixing it and making sure things like diesel doesn't go into the engine, you know. Well, and also taking into account the like four months of hard labor that we put into building it. Correct. Plus all of the time and labor that we put into, you know, renovating the kitchen and doing all that stuff. And like we were already talking about, you know, when we go to sell this, we're going to like empty the whole thing out into a storage locker and like thoroughly clean it and like fix anything and just make it look perfect and maybe repaint a couple of scuffs or you know whatever just make sure that it's like a hundred percent tip top for whoever the next buyer is yeah we'll bring it to the shop make sure everything is changed oil filter fuel filter making sure everything's running right you know that way the next person that gets it has it in pristine shape and condition ready to go you know maybe even shocks might be put on it depends on the things that are needed and we'll make sure that it has that for the next person Yeah, but so there was another, was it in that article talking about how a van is a depreciating asset? So I think. Not if you build it yourself. Not if you build it yourself. If you buy 
a $300,000 RV. Well, even we have friends that did that and they came up like, you know, two grand selling it a year later. But anyways, if you buy a $300,000 RV and then you sell it for $290,000, you know. You've lived in it for X amount of years and you only spent 10 grand. Yeah, like that doesn't seem like that huge of a loss. No. Whereas if you buy, I mean, even vehicles now because of the supply chain, like they're not even really decreasing in value. Some vehicles that are really hard to come by are actually the older models are increasing in value. Mm. So, you know, the old idea that like, oh, if you buy a motorhome, it's just sinking money into it. It just doesn't hold water anymore. No, it doesn't. And I, I think that goes because of lifestyle change. And the ability to work digitally has changed the opportunity when it comes to having a vehicle built out into a home and it becoming an asset instead of a depreciating uh, asset. Absolutely. All right, guys. I hope that you have... All right, guys. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Van Life in the News. If you have any stories that you want us to share, be sure to send them along. We are happy to chat about them. Make sure to go and check us out on all different social media platforms. All the links will be in the description below. Our Patreon is where our community helps us the most, and it makes it to where we can stay on the road, continue making these podcasts, continue making the videos, continue to give all the information that we can and entertain you guys. We love you. Thank you so much. Please leave a five-star review. And speaking of five-star reviews, I thought you were going to... No, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to cut it, and I'm going to put it back in the beginning. Oh, okay. Sorry. Make sure to leave us a five-star review. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you have an FNA day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.